Well, good morning. It is so good to see all of you and praise team. Thank you for leading us already and thank you for leading us with psalms and with praise. And it is so good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Can I get an amen from the den? For those of you listening online, we're so grateful you're with us as well. And I just want to give a shout out this morning. Thank you to any of you that invited a friend to join with you today. Thank you. And for those of you that may be visiting for the first time or maybe coming back and want to know a little bit more about us, I just want to say that you're always welcome here at The Way, where we are seeking to glorify God and to make disciples of Jesus Christ by sharing in hope, living with purpose for the sake of us, for the sake of others. Amen. Well, this past Tuesday was a Hallmark holiday, was it not? It was what? Valentine's Day. Now, some of y'all went all out, right? And some of y'all felt left out. And, 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 and some of y'all perhaps were like my daughter, Alexis, that went to a Galentine gathering with all her teenage girls because in her words, and as the cake was decorated, boys are stinky. <laughs> and I'm quite honestly, I'm kind of glad that at her age, she's still kind of thinking boys are stinky. You know, we can, we can kind of hold on to that just a little bit longer, right? Needless to say, Valentine's Day comes with a whole host of thoughts and feelings and uh, maybe ill feelings. Um, but, you know, it's a day that's supposed to be all about what? Love. And as a, as a, as a, a you know, really a culture, we espouse to what? To love. But just what is love? And, and, and I'm going to date myself here, but in the words of Tina Turner, what's love got to do with it? I mean, I'd break out and sing it, but y'all wouldn't want to hear me sing. But, you know, she talks about it's just a secondhand emotion. What's love got to do? You wanted me to do that, didn't you, Wes? That's, <laughs> there's a challenge. No, no, I don't have the legs. Thank you. Thank you. My wife says I don't have the legs, so I won't do that. But if we're honest this morning, let's just, you know, if we're honest this morning, don't we deeply desire to be loved? I think every single one of us deeply desire to be loved. And if we're also honest this morning, I think every single one of us could also speak to how we have been deeply hurt in the name of love. Maybe by a spouse, maybe by a parent, maybe by a family member or a coworker, maybe a friend at school. And dare I say, even the church has been a place that people have been hurt in the name of love. And if we're honest with that, it sometimes leads us to be a little bit leery about love, doesn't it? On the one hand, we desperately desire to be loved. On the other hand, we're afraid to love or be loved because of the hurt that we have been experienced And dare I say, perhaps the reason for that is because we have not fully experienced the love of God. We have experienced something short of that, something counterfeit, something that's not of God. And so back to my question, so what is love and what's love got to do with it? Well, I can't think of a better place to turn than to Saul, who became Paul, someone who knew what it was like to be deeply hurt Someone who also hurt deeply. I mean, he, he sat there and held the cloaks and approved the stoning of Stephen, the first martyr of the church. This Saul, who desperately wanted to eradicate certain people, had an encounter with Jesus Christ that forever changed his life. It transformed his understanding of what it means to be a son of the God Most High, to be embraced in that faith through Christ Jesus. And he has a lot to write about love. And so I want us to turn today to chapter 13 of the first letter to the church in Corinth. And just to share with you a little bit, several weeks ago, we started talking about gifts. 
And I have found myself, I can't get past chapter 12, 13, and 14 of this first letter to the church in Corinth, and in particular chapter 13. And so Paul, in the midst of the gifts that we've been exploring and talking about, he pauses for a moment to talk about love. And he has this to write, beginning in verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of the childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me this morning? Merciful Father, I thank you for the opportunity to enter into your presence this morning. And God, I know that we come with all kinds of uh, thoughts and concerns and things on our hearts and minds. And I thank you for the way that we've already been able to approach you in prayer with those things. So, God, I pray now that you would just simply still our hearts. God, that you would open up our minds, open up our eyes and ears to hear from you, not me. Lord, um, take me out of this and allow you to be heard. For, God, we desperately need a word from you. And we desire to encounter the living word, your son, Jesus Christ. And so, come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Meet us. Have your way with us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So this word love, Paul writes no less than nine times in just 13 verses the word love. And the funny thing about the word love is that we tend to throw that word love around to, to suggest all kinds of affections we have for things and for people, right? I mean, I mean, I woke up this morning saying, I love chocolate, I love my wife, and I love Auburn Tigers. I mean, all of y'all love Auburn Tigers, right? No? Man, I just need to go home, right? <laughs> I didn't hear that, and I probably don't need to. <laughs> but all kidding aside... Do we really love food the way that we love other people? Absolutely we don't. We don't do that, do we? But you see, our English language dumbs down a lot of what is written in Greek. The word love for us is used for a whole lot of things where the richness of the ancient Greek, the the Greek that Paul spoke, the the Greek that Paul wrote, 
It had at least four ways of expressing what we reduce down to the word love. Let me give you some of those. There's one that's called phileo. It's, it's brotherly love. It's what you might say between Jonathan and David. It's what you might say between Paul and Timothy as his disciple. It's what you, or if any of y'all have been to Philadelphia, it's the city of what? Brotherly love, right? Phileo, but we call it love. And then there's storge. There's that familial love. How many of y'all have ever had the blessing of holding a baby in your arms? Whether yours or someone else's or a grandparent toting. I mean, I mean, there's some br- proud grandparents in the room, right? And there's that familial love that's shared between parents and children, even those that are not our own. But we call it love. And then there's eros. This is Cupid. This is Valentine's Day. This is romantic love. This is what is often translated as erotic, and, and, and it's a beautiful thing when that flame burns between two people. But the thing is, is that sometimes can burn a little too hot and go in a little bit of the wrong way because eros has a shadow side to it. Because the Greek root to this has an underlying understanding of to take. And if any of y'all have ever experienced someone taking something from you, maybe you've been raped. Or know those that have been in sex trafficking. Or, or the porn industry, for instance. It's all out of this thing called eros, but it's out of take. It's out of a selfishness rather than a selflessness. And yet we translate it as love, but I dare say that aspect is really not love at all. Can I get an amen? So what is Paul talking about here when he talks about love? Is it phileo? Is it storge? Is it eros? No. He uses a whole different word. It's not familial, it's not erotic, it's not brotherly, it's not even temporal. All those t- words are temporal, they're for now. He's talking about something that's eternal. He's talking about something divine. He's talking about something that's not of this world. He's talking about the love of God. Agape. Love. And I love the way Dallas Willard puts it. I'm using that word love and I probably shouldn't, you know, but... But I want to quote what he has to say about agape love. And it says this, he writes this, it says, It cannot be said too often that agape love is not desire and not delight. Desire and feelings generally have a different nature than love. And if we don't understand this, clearly we will remain helpless to enter into love and receive into it into our lives. Desire and feelings fall into the domain of impulse, not that of choice. They aim at their satisfaction, not at what is better or possibly best. Let me read that last line again. They aim at their satisfaction, not at what is better and possibly best. Let's be truthful this morning. You know, desires can become distorted, right? Even good desires can become distorted. And feelings, well, they're just a second-hand emotion, Right? Right? I do not need to sing, right? But desires, feelings, they're, they're, they're focused in on the self rather than the other. And agape love is quite opposite. It is a selfless. It is an unconditional. It is an eternal. It is a holy love. And Paul gives us a beautiful description of what this love, agape love, looks like in action. He says this, he says, love is patient, it's kind, does not envy, does not boast, it's not proud, does not dishonor, 
It's not self-seeking, is not easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs, does not delight in evil, rejoices in truth, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And when I look at that list, two things immediately flood my mind. The first is this, who would not want to be loved like this? I mean, I know I would love to be loved like this. How about you? I think we all would love to be loved like this. And honestly, that's the way that God loves us. In fact, that's the way God created us is to desire this kind of love. But the second thing that comes to my mind is this, is asking who embodies this kind of love? You know, we so often hear this scripture read in weddings or we hear studies where it says replace love with your own name. And, and, and I start there and I look like Andy is patient, Andy is kind, Andy does not envy. I mean, Kristen's going to stop me right there. It, and Andy does not boast, is not proud. I mean, truth of the matter is, as much as I would desire and I would strive, and I do, and perhaps you do too, I fall woefully short of this at times. There are times when I am easily angered. There are times when I do keep records of wrongs. There are times when I lose hope. There are times when I am not patient or kind, even with those that I love the most. How about you? So if this is the standard, if you're like me, perhaps you're wondering, how can we ever measure up? Have you ever thought that? How can we measure up? You see, there lies the conundrum in our lives is that we, we desire to be loved in this way, and yet we realize that we have to confess we fall short at times in loving like this. I mean, honestly, who truly loves this way? Well, there's only one. God. God Almighty, the one who created you, who created me, the one who says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. The one that David wrote the psalm that Anne wrote of earlier. This God, it's his love. God is love and not just any kind of love. Agape love. John reminds us of this. He reminds it both in the gospel account and then later in his life as he writes a couple of letters toward the end of his life. In in, in the gospel account, y'all know this, for God so loved the who? Y'all, come on, y'all wake up. Who? The world, everyone, everything. There's nothing excluded from the love of God. He so loved the world that he gave his one, his one. And only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And then in the first letter that we have in our New Testament that John wrote, John chapter 4, it says this. This is how God showed his love, agape, agape among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him, through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. Isn't that beautiful? And Paul, crusty old Saul that became Paul, he would write this in church to the church in Rome. One of my favorite letters that he wrote, he writes this in chapter 5. He says, you see, at just the right time, we were still powerless. Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die, but God. 
I love it when there's a but in Scripture. Gar is the Greek behind that. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Every time we come to communion, we remind ourselves of this while we were yet sinners. You see, we don't have to get ourselves cleaned up before God. God cleans us up through the sacrifice of his son. That's what grace is all about. This is agape love. This is not a counterfeit love. It's a divine love. And it's for you and for me and for all of humanity. And I got news for you. It's not a love we can manufacture. And yet, how often do we try? We look to that list in Corinthians and we try to check off the list. Was I this this week? Was I this this day? We strive. And when we do, when we try to do it out of our own strength, out of our own will, if you will, we fall woefully short and we don't measure up. And I got news for you, I don't measure up. And I got news for you, you don't measure up too. But I got greater news for you today. And that's this, that it's not about measuring up to God's love. It's about being filled up with God's love. Hear me. It's not about measuring up to God's love. It's about being filled up with God's love. Paul had to learn this the hard way. And again, in Romans 5, he writes, he says, Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know our suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And then this. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Did you catch that? God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that's been given to us. You remember when Jesus was being departed, when he was saying he's about to lay down his life, he said, I'm not going to leave you an orphan. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm going to send the advocate. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to dwell not beside you, but within you. And when we open ourselves up to being filled with the Holy Spirit, we are filled. We are flushed. We are consumed by nothing short than agape, the love that God has for us. But, you know, I think sometimes when we think about that love, when we think about that love, there's, there's perhaps maybe one of three things that holds us back from fully embracing that. And, and, and one of them is this, simply that we feel unworthy. Any of y'all feel unworthy today? Carrying some shame or some guilt or feeling bad about something you said or, or failed to say? I mean, I, I find myself daily tripping over my words or my thoughts sometimes. I'm not alone, Right? And sometimes you can sit there and think that you're unworthy. There's no way. There's no way. God would love me. I've got news for you. Jesus Christ died for you. He died for me, even while we were yet sinners. You are worthy, not because of anything you've done, but because of everything he has done. Through his son, Jesus Christ, you are worthy through the eyes of God because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you. But there's another thing that holds some of us back, and that's not that we feel unworthy, but we just think it's unfathomable. We can't grasp 
this idea of unconditional love, of this, this, this agape love, this holy and divine love. And it's because for many of us, well, our experiences have been anything but that. Can I get an amen here? And I think all of us have experienced some kind of conditional love in our life of one sort or another. I, I was sitting with another brother not too long ago, and, and with tears in his eyes, he was taken back to childhood memory. And that memory was is that his, his family would plan family vacations, and one of the places they loved to go was the beach. How many of y'all like to go to the beach? Got a few people here, right? Well, he was sharing that his, his grandmother happened to have a beach house, and they would book the beach house with grandma, but... Sometimes they would get up to the day before the trip, and mom and dad have scheduled their time off of work. And grandma said, you know what? You can't go to the beach house. Because they didn't call enough. Or they didn't visit enough. Any of y'all ever been there? You see, I think in so many ways, if you look back at your life, sometimes what you have experienced has been a carrot hung in front of you. It's a conditional love. It's a selfish love. It's a counterfeit love. It is a false love. And so you can't fathom a God that would love you beyond measure. That would love you warts and all. That would love you while you were still a sinner in his eyes. Christ died for you. And then there's others of us. It's not so much the unworthy or unfathomable. Maybe it's both of those. But then there's this other part, and it's simply the unattainable. Any of y'all uh, perfectionists here? Any of y'all like to, you know, do you remember the, in, in school where you had the preschool chart and you got to move the clip up and down if you behaved good? Or the stars, you got the gold stars? And so you look at that list that Paul gives, and there's a beautiful list also in Romans 12 as well. And if you look at it, and you think that that's what you're supposed to do in order to love, like I have to love in this way, and you start looking at it, and you sit there and say, I'm failing over and over and over. Well, that's because you have to receive God's love in order to give God's love. You see, when we humble ourselves and recognize that we're in need of salvation, when we realize that we are in need of a divine love, not a, that of a love of, a, of human origin, but of a divine, holy love. When we embrace the fact that Jesus died for us, for you, for me, for all of humanity. Well, something begins to happen in us. We read in scripture that we begin to die to self. And it's not us, but it's Christ that lives in us. And it's only then, in the opening of Christ dwelling in us and the Spirit of God dwelling in us, that we begin to get filled beyond measure. And we begin to experience His love in a way that we've never experienced before. It is is an unbelievable experience when you begin to know that you know that you know that you know that you're loved by God. Isn't it? You know, for the last several weeks, we've been talking about this idea that we're made for more. That God has dreams for you and for me. That God's given us gifts. When I look out here, I see a beautiful tapestry of people from all walks of life. 
with great gifts that God has given to each and every one of you. And some of those being Holy Spirit-filled gifts, given gifts. And they are beautiful. And when we bring them together, we can do unimaginable things. Paul says if we do all those things without love, well, it's all for naught. Because the truth of the matter is, in order for us to live into that life of more, that, that life that you're made for, the life that God desires for you and for me and us to experience, well, it begins with our being open to allowing God to love us with his unconditional love. It begins with allowing his love to flow in us and then ultimately to flow through us into every relationship that we have. You see, God is love, and God's motive is love. And what he desires is for us to experience and to just simply sit in his presence and allow his love to wash over us. And I guarantee you, once you begin to soak in that love he has for you, those dreams and those gifts, you can do amazing things. But it's all through coming to the place of embracing his love for us. And when I think about making room and I think about what we want to do with Latimer Hall, I think about the dream that God placed on my heart and in our prayer time with Anne and it kind of caught fire here in this community. It is rooted in love. And not the love of making a name for ourselves, but to be made his name known. In a city that is longing to know the love of God. When you have 67% of those around within two and a half miles that don't know God, they don't know his love. They go looking in all kinds of places to fill a hole that only God can fill. I believe that what we are yearning for in making room is that everyone that steps on this campus might experience what we're seeing unfold at Asbury in Wilmore, Kentucky this past week and a half. If you've ever, if you've been on social media, it has caught social media like crazy. Where just a few students, after worship was over, chose to come forward and simply kneel and pray and to cry out for something real to get real, to get honest with themselves and, and to ask God to do something, to pour his love in their heart. And things began to move in their lives. Lives were changed and other students came in and other students came in. And there was over 10,000 people in a small rural town yesterday. They could not handle the traffic. Why? Because people are thirsty. People are hungry for something real. Not fog and lights and production, but to just be in the presence of God and to experience His love, His agape love for us. It's changing lives. People are forgiving one another. People are experiencing healing and emotional transformation, spiritual transformation. And I got news for you it is not just for the small town of Wilmore. And for those that are there, God desires to do it here. He desires to do it in you. He desires to do it in me. He desires to do it in us. He desires to do that in the city, in our community, 
in your marriages, in our families, in our schools. God wants to reveal himself and the love of a father to you and me. A love that perhaps too many of us have yet to fully experience. And so in closing, I just want to ask one question, and that's this. Do you know this kind of love? Do you know the love of God? I want to be very clear. There are a lot of us that have a knowledge of God. And a knowledge of God's love. We're junkies. We're information junkies. We'll read and we'll study and we'll read and we'll study. But the knowledge of someone is very different than knowing someone. Isn't that right? God wants to be known. He wants to make himself known to you and to me and to all of us. He wants to make known his love, his unconditional agape love for you and wants it to flow through you. So do you know that God loves you? Do you know that you know? And if you don't, it's okay. You know, even the founder of our movement, the Methodist movement, John Wesley, doubted, questioned whether he could be loved by God. I mean, this is a guy that was ordained as a priest in the Anglican Church to the day he died. And, and as he was going about it, questioning and doubting, Peter Bowler, one of the Moravians, said, fake it till you make it. <laughs> I got news for you. There's probably a bunch of us that are faking it. God doesn't want to fake it with you. He wants to give himself to you. And so John Wesley would find himself one day on Aldersgate Street, and this is in May of 1738. And he writes in his journal, it says, In the evening I went very unwillingly. And y'all got a drug problem? You got drugged to church this morning? There might be a few that got dragged here. John Wesley, unwillingly, I've, I went very unwillingly to a society in Aldersgate Street where one was reading Luther's, that's Martin Luther's preface to the epistle to the Romans. It's a letter of Rome, what Paul wrote. About a quarter before nine, while he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ. Christ alone for salvation. And an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. Folks, that's for you, too. That's for you, too. John Wesley, it would take a minute for him to come to a place where he would discover and he would embrace the agape love of God for him. And so if you are struggling today, doubting in God's love for you, desiring that love for you, I want to say this to you. Don't leave today. Come on in, kids. Don't leave today without crying out to God. Don't leave today without being open to God, allowing himself to reveal his great love for you. God is here. His Spirit wants to fill you with nothing short than the love 
God. This is agape love. This is what you're made for. To be loved by God. Jesus Christ is proof of that. Amen? Amen. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. And I'm going to ask the praise team to come up and play. And, but when I finish and as they continue to play, I just want you to know this altar rail is open. Or your pew, or if you want to go in the prayer room, or you want someone to pray with you, raise your hand. I'm sure there's other people that will join you and pray. But let's not miss this moment. Let's not miss this moment to be reminded of God's love. Let's not miss this moment to ask for his love. It's unconditional, y'all. The only thing conditional is whether we choose to accept it or not. May it be so today. Amen. Would you pray with me? Oh. (laughs) God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the way in which you transformed Paul's life in such a way that he inspired and anointed by the Holy Spirit gave us these letters that we find in our Holy Scriptures and this one on your love that he once himself didn't know but came to know that he knew that he knew that he knew that he was loved by you. And I think all of us here today admit that sometimes we fail to acknowledge that whether it's because we take it for granted or we doubt it or we fear it or we feel unworthy of it, that, God, your love remains steadfast and your spirit desires to fill us with your, with your love. So, God, for those of us that are doubting today that you love us, would you just speak to our hearts? Maybe we've been hurt Maybe we've been hurt by someone else and we're blaming you or we're coming to you asking, where were you? God, would you just reveal where you were in that moment? Just remind us that you weep with us and that you do something about it. God, for those of us that struggle with a sense of worthiness that we can never measure up, may we be reminded it's not about measuring up, it's about being filled up. God, would you fill our hearts today? Would you flood our hearts today? Would we be thirsty enough? Would we be hungry enough? Just like we see happening in Wilmore, Kentucky. God, may that thirst, may that hunger be real here too. And may it be met by the bread of life, by the living water, by the presence of your spirits. So come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come and have your way with us as we continue to seek you, God. And to know that we know that we know that we're loved by you. It's in your son, Jesus' name, and our Lord, I pray. And the church said, amen, amen.